Hey friends, welcome back to the Sunning 65 podcast. I'm your host, Maddie Schultz, and today we are joined by a college friend of mine, Isaac Holt. Isaac works for a ministry called God Behind Bars, a ministry that is taking the gospel into prisons. We talk about what God is doing through that ministry, how God uses our suffering, and so much more. Enjoy. Hello, Isaac. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, Maddie and Sunny and 65? <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so a little background. Isaac and I went to college together at the University of Nebraska, Omaha. We were the same year. Um, Isaac was also teammates with my husband, Alex, but we became friends before that on our own. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, huh, we did. Alex. Yeah, you were, yeah. Uh, Maddie, Maddie was the one who everybody <laughs> hung out with. You, if you, she was that safe place where you're like, oh, I'll just go hang with Matt if you don't Aww, know. <laughs> you're kind. Um, but I remember, I remember Isaac being a bold follower of Jesus in college, and I would say I was half-heartedly following Jesus during my freshman and sophomore years of college, which means I really wasn't following Jesus. But alas, Isaac is bold and fun, and he's a zealous guy. Well, at least he was in college. We'll see if you still are. But not, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. I'm done. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking yes. Um, but we haven't talked in over six years, which we, him and I were just talking about before we started recording how crazy it is, how it feels like just yesterday we were at UNO together. Um, yeah, so it's wild. It's been over six years. But I follow along Isaac's life on the socials and uh, get to see all that God's doing in and through him. But it's so much fun to see you and chat face to face. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so glad I'm here. Can you tell me one thing really quick about yeah, yeah. what sun, why is it called Sunny in 65? Oh, this is why I love Isaac. Like he also is just a good question asker, even though I'm going to be asking most of the questions. So buckle up, buddy. <laughs> but um, it is called, that's a great question. And probably, actually, I probably haven't mentioned why it's called this since the very first episode. So I'm sure actually a lot of people don't know. It is called sunny and 65 because that's my ideal day and temperature. It's not sunny and 75. Oh, I, I like think that. sunny and 65, I want to have a sweatshirt on, maybe shorts, but with a sweatshirt, I don't want to be hot. I think that's just like perfect. So that's why. I like that. I thought it was maybe like, the the sunniest day in Iowa was is like sixty five. <laughs> Stop! I don't live in Antarctica. Although that would not get to sixty five, but Iowa has similar. Not similar weather to Colorado. Okay, I'm going to stop talking. Tell us the quick gist about yourself. Oh goodness! Well, I um, I'm currently am twenty eight. <laughs> um, Love it. And <laughs> I grew up in Colorado. I grew up a pastor's kid in Colorado played baseball throughout my entire life and then went to Nebraska Omaha and then played baseball there for three years, then played my last year at Oklahoma Christian and then moved to Vegas uh, where I became a uh, marketing director at a a large church in Vegas randomly. Uh, It was very random how that happened. And then I lived there for two years. I moved back to Colorado and started my own company and then moved to Atlanta and uh, started working for a ministry called God Behind Bars, um, where I go into prisons and get to do, honestly, so much fun stuff, which we can probably get into. But that's like a quick overview. <laughs> wow. Okay. First of all, was your business that you started back in Colorado, like photo and video, or what was your business that when you went back to Colorado? Um, yeah, it was a it was i call it like a digital agency so i was like 
did socials, did photo, did video, was just trying cool. to figure out how to start a company. I didn't even know what I was doing. Um, yeah. And then kind of like, I've kind of landed, I, the company still runs and I have somebody else do it because I don't have oh, time cool. for both. But yeah, so basically we just help people grow their socials. Um, I started with God, that's how I started with God Behind Bars. I helped uh, manage uh, their marketing and manage their um Oh wow! Uh, their app, their app inside of prisons. Um, so I get to do all the techie stuff. So cool. And other question: Do people say Atlanta? In Atlanta, like I say Atlanta, and you say Atlanta. If I say, do oh, you gosh. get? What, I feel like you say it different <laughs> than I say it. I say Atlanta, and I feel like do the people in Atlanta say Atlanta? Atlanta. <laughs> You know what's funny is I actually think people do do that. that I've never thought about that, but I think that's true. They do I think say actually people do call that Atlanta. That's how they say it in Atlanta. Well, because they're you have to add a southern accent to it. Okay. So I might be taking Atlanta, Atlanta. Yeah, Atlanta. Okay. okay, that's good to know. <laughs> if I ever go to Atlanta, it's Atlanta. Okay. Tell us about when you came to know and follow Jesus. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, I was actually in, you know, I think, and this not like, I'm, I don't think, I, when I first came to truly know Jesus, so I grew up my whole life hearing the gospel. I think I'd raise my hand every VBS, if people know VBS, every yeah. time that the my dad, the pastor said to raise your hand, I'd be like, I would either raise my hand or I would like, mutter the utter the prayer in my uh, yeah. internally just to make sure we're good um but i i went through this a very difficult time in college actually where uh, not in college in high school um where i tore, i actually tore my labrum in my shoulder and i was getting these you know college offers and stuff mm -hmm. like that and that was like my dream that was everything internally i was not doing okay but like since i was successful with sports it kind of made yeah. everything okay and that's not a good spot to be in with god because he usually mm -hmm. takes those things and says hey i want your heart yeah. and i so anyway i tore i actually was at a high school like church camp and i was pushing my youth pastor in a lake and uh when i pushed him my shoulder popped out and it, my labrum tore right in my right arm which is my throwing arm and I was, we went to the, in Colorado Springs, it's the uh, US Olympics is there. So we went to the Olympic surgeon and he's like, hey, your arm is fully torn and you're really never going to, you're probably not play baseball again. Wow. And that shattered me. Um, and, you know, I don't feel like depression was really talked about back then. Like I didn't yeah. really know what it was, but I was like just so deeply down and couldn't find you know, just, I just felt like my whole life was crushed my little life that I knew of in high school. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so I remember, so about two months I was in a sling still, they said, just rest it. And my dad calls me and says, Hey, Isaac, I was, I was praying for you so hard today. And I feel like the Lord is going to heal your arm. And I was like, okay, like it's been two months. Like there's no shot. Then the very next day I wake up and again, I was in a sling and that was the first thing I remember when I woke up and I started moving my arm around completely gone. Every wow. pain that I, I couldn't lift it above my shoulder, um, when I first, what? like for two months and it was completely healed. 
And it's funny because that was a moment where I was like, dang, I don't believe, I truly don't believe in Jesus, God, like whatever this whole thing is. Mm -hmm. And that led me down a journey of about three weeks of just wrestling with um, that, just that identity of like, dang, what do I believe in? Do I believe in Jesus? Do I want to give my life to him? Mm -hmm. Um, What does it look like? And I just remember one specific day, um, I just got on my knees and I went outside into the woods in Colorado and I just started yelling at God because I was just like so kind of fed up with myself. And I remember just, it wasn't a specific prayer I prayed, but I just remember just like screaming like, God, I need you. I need you. Would you like, I don't understand you dying on the cross, Jesus coming. Like it seems so long ago. Mm-hmm. And just through that, it was about an hour of just me and him. Just like, I felt like we were having this conversation, me mostly saying stuff. And then I just like, it was like in an instance, I just started bawling. And I just felt like, I I legitimately felt like somebody hugged me. Like there was a blanket over me and mm-hmm. I just felt um, Jesus come. And then I just gave my life to him in that wow. moment. And then I went and I remember I went, jumped in my car. I went straight to my uh, family was at a conference. My, they were speaking um, or my dad was and our family was there. And I came and I like told him and I confessed all these sins to him and just was bawling. And wow. then he, and it, it was just so cool because I felt like that was a moment for me that just flipped, changed everything. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. So that was your, what year in high school? I think I was 17. So just you turned didn't, 17, yeah. You didn't get surgery after that. It was healed and then clearly you went on to play collegiate baseball. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so what did it look like after that? So that happened when you're 17. What did what did your walk with the Lord then look like through college and then to today? Yeah. Um college actually was really it's funny that we're talking now because obviously we didn't do like a college recap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, college was tough. Like yeah. UNO was tough. I, um, I just went through so much of like, honestly, let that self-righteous stage of thinking I was better than people I think is kind of not better I don't want to say it in that way but I would you know just internally yeah. where it's like I'm not going to do this so that I can be like good with God kind of yeah. thing and I that was just like I look and now I serve inmates so it's kind of like funny where it's mm-hmm. like dang I'm sitting with I'm sitting right across from a murderer like I can't uh it, it, there's just a it was cool too I guess Cause that, that taught me the grace of God and just going through college. I don't think I under, I think I always thought God was like still an equation. I think I was still working through that. Whereas like this good thing may equal a blessing and this good thing will equal blessing. This bad thing dings me. I get a ding for that. And I need to like work. Mm. It's that grace and works thing. And, um, yeah, I was really, I really struggled actually. Like I, I struggled with, uh, fitting in and like I I think I look back at college and wish that I had um probably like just been loved people better and been more like honestly like not uptight (laughs) about stuff but 
it's cool too because i feel like god and the god is so good at this like he takes all of our stories but he uses every moment like he doesn't yeah. miss a moment and i love that i hate i hate um i hate these but i love this specific one i don't like the little like quotes that people use for uh, church stuff where it's like uh if god's this one's i like this one because it's like if if it says that um that god works all things together for good so that so that means that every single story is going a good place right like the trajectory is actually good and it might not feel good at those times, but the trajectory is good. And like, I just have seen God's goodness in my seasons of missing the mark and how God like brought that into, a, mm. in, into something good. Um, so if people are listening, like if, if you have had, I don't know, even just, I even think of people who have like miscarriages. I, I just saw somebody who had a miscarriage. That was my friend. It was like, it doesn't seem good. And it's hard to say that it's hard to say, mm. like, it's going to turn for good. It's probably not the right time to say it, right? Yeah. but it's going like God's trajectory is good. Like, and it's mm-hmm. going to turn for good. Um, one of my favorite stories, sorry, this is completely off topic no. and you could edit Let's the hear whole it. thing. No. Um, and he, this is something that has been my, like this, you know, the Bible story that just like sticks with you for a very yeah. long time. Maybe not. Um, I don't know if anyone else has this, but in Hebrews 11, I was going through Hebrews 11, which is like the hall of faith, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you got David, you got freaking all these bosses. And then there's this one verse that says, by faith, Joseph got, basically got his bones to Israel, which is the, that was like the dumbest in all of them. Like, I hate to say it, Joseph, like you really got the last one, but then I was like, what does that mean? And so I go back, Joseph, um, if people know the story, Joseph is in Genesis and he dies. And his last words basically are, I want to bring my bones to Israel. So they were in Egypt and they had this promised land or not. And I guess they couldn't say Israel, but it was the promised Mm -hmm. land. So if you look throughout the, the old Testament, you find Joseph's bones, mentioned in all these different places and his bones were never forgotten. Like if God wanted to miss one thing, Mm. he probably could have missed Joseph. Like Joseph's bones probably could have been forgotten. Like, let's be honest. They're Mm. not that big of a deal, but no, in Joshua, when they get to the promised land, it says that his bones were there. And Mm. I think sometimes we think of, Uh, Mm. And I say this to inmates too a lot when I'm talking to them. I'm like, what you're doing today, the decisions you're making today is breaking generational curses for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And you may never see them today. Joseph never saw the promised land, but Mm -hmm. his faithfulness that day was the day was got him to the promised land. But also Moses never saw the promised land and he never even saw the bones Sometimes it's like generational things. And if God yeah. and God's that whole story was turning to good, even though it looked mm-hmm. in moments where it was not good, not good, yeah. not good. And then they made it. So anyway, that's really helpful. That's it. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Every single part of your story is going to be used. And I think something that was helpful for me, like with that specific or like what that saying comes from that verse of and he's working all things out for good for those who love him. I think it was helpful for me when like good got the right definition, like 
good isn't my health, wealth, and well-being. Like, good yes. is God's glory and my sanctification into Christ-likeness. And so that yeah. that was always helpful for me. Okay, he's working out all things for good, for, for his glory and for me to look like him. So that probably is going to look like suffering and like deep, dark valleys, but God's name is, will get glory in the end. And he is transforming me. So that, that changes everything. Then every situation I'm like, okay, it doesn't look good. Like you were saying, it doesn't look good, but I'm confident that one, my eternity is sealed. So it will be good. And also I'm confident that God's going to bring his name glory through this dark valley too. Come on. And it's so true because it's like we were made. We are here. I don't want to say it in that way, but like suffering is our call is the trajectory. Yeah. It's like, that's what's going to happen. And I think the minute we, and that's what even in college, like if you think about it, that was Mm -hmm. the the tug of like, I'm suffering because I did something wrong. No, you're suffering because you need to follow, like you're following Jesus and you just need to accept that. And have joy in that. Like yeah. the minute you can figure out how to have, and again, this is so easily said than done, but like the totally. moment you can say, okay, I'm going to rejoice in this. Like, how do you, well, also this is great too. Like how many times have, how many times in all of our lives, those listening and even you like, and, and me, how many times has suffering actually been the thing that's changed us forever and marked us and made us who we are? And we look back and we're like, so grateful for that moment. I think every, every suffering moment for me, I've looked back and been like, dang, that was, I'm so grateful. I hated walking through that. Yeah. But man, God, like you brought me into a place and you showed me something, uh, something I was holding on to Mm -hmm. or something I needed to let go. Yeah. So that I could become more like you, yeah. you know, I don't know if you've experienced this too, but like, since like for us too, I feel like, so he, your labrum was torn. That was like a, one of your, a big mark of suffering in your life. Then in college, you walked through deep suffering your first couple of years at UNO. And I think for me too, like the first couple of years at UNO walked through deep suffering. So then God brought me somewhere else to walk through some more deep suffering to then ultimately bring me to himself. And I think about now in my life and let me know if you like feel similarly in inviting suffering is a strong, strong phrase, but I, I see God having shifted that in my heart to, I'm like, okay, God, whatever you got to do to get to this heart, to, to make me more like yourself. It's like, like you said, I'm not going to like it, but I almost invite, I'm like, okay, God, I I long to be like you. I long to bring your name glory, whatever that looks like that you got to do again, when it's happening, like it doesn't make it any less hard 100%. But I see him change that in me of like, Okay, I see yeah. that you do your most work when I am on my hands and knees because I have nowhere else to go because I'm in such deep pain. That's when you've yeah. made me like yourself. And that's when you've helped me die to myself and just exalt you alone. So it almost becomes Amen. a shift in life of like, okay, yeah. God, have you read The Pilgrim's Progress? 
No, I have not. Uh, well, actually, maybe I did when I grew up. Okay. Like, I, I don't remember it very well, no. You, well, you got to <laughs> read it again. You'd love it. But long story short, if you're listening, you need to read this. It's wildly impactful to my faith. I read it at the beginning of 2021, I think. Well, long story short, there's also a kid's version of it, which is – so the – Pilgrim's Progress is written by... That's probably my version that I need to read. (laughs) (laughs) It's honestly just as good. My sister-in-law got it for Zan, my son, this Christmas. And so we've been reading it through it every night. And it's it honestly is... You should get it. Like, it's just as good. Or forever, whoever's listening, get the kid version too. And so, promo code Maddie Schultz. It's promo code Maddie Schultz. No, I wish. I wish. Um, But just last night, we were reading um, the, we were finishing it up as last couple pages. And so, the premise of Pilgrim's Progress, for those of you who maybe haven't read it or don't know, it basically is like fiction, but like word pictures of the Christian life. So we are just pilgrims voyaging to our homeland, which is eternity with Jesus. It's not here. We are foreigners here. And the whole book is about a man named Christian. And he basically uses word pictures along the way um, that just have wildly impacted me. So all that to say, the last, I'm going to give one example of a word picture that has impacted me. There's Um, One time it says Christian comes along and he meets worldly wise man, a a guy named worldly wise man. And the guy says, where are you going? And he says, I'm going to the celestial city to to heaven, to eternity. um, And so I'm following this path and worldly wise man says, why would you go that way? That's a really hard path. Don't go there. Go to this town called legality with a town right next to it called morality and you'll feel just as good and you won't go through any hard times. And that sounds really, I mean, I'm when, when I read that, I was like, whoa, it is so easy for me, my heart to long to just go to legalism or be a good person when no, yeah. the, the, the path is straight and narrow and and I and it's worth it. And I want to be with Jesus at the end. And so we're le- reading the last couple pages last night. I literally start crying. It's me, Alex, and Zan on the couch. And it says um, the the last chapter of the book, the regular book too, because they're pretty much the same. It says, and then Christian and his friend Hopeful came to the river of death. And you have to pass through. They can see the celestial city, but you have to pass through the river of death to get there. And, and Christian says, we have to go. This is hopeful is like, are you sure we should go? And Christian's like, no, we have to go. I'm just like, I'm getting chills right now. I'm just like crying. Like, God, that's the call. Like death, mm-hmm. death to self and death in general. Like, you know, like, yeah. And so, so good. all that to say, I'm, I'm rambling on a tangent now, but everyone read Pilgrim's Progress. And I was just reading, I feel like I was just reading this morning. Is it in first Peter where it says, um, to this you were called, like Jesus was, let me see if I can try to find it quick. Um, okay, yeah, in First Peter 2.20, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it, but if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Verse 21, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. To this you yeah. were called to suffer for him. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. And uh, even too, with what you're saying, actually, it's the verse that I was bringing up before we had really? this call. Uh, not, not that same one, yeah. but a different one, but it has, I feel like it correlates so well, which I love that about God. Yeah. Um, but it's Proverbs 4.23. I was listening to a, I don't know if you know, John Tyson um, yeah. from uh, New York, but 
he was talking about uh, Proverbs four twenty three. It says above all else, which I like. Whenever there's that, you should probably like <laughs> hello. Um, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And he said after that, he's like, how often do like some of the most educated people can actually be some of the most um, have done some of the most the horrible things because they don't know Christ. Like if you combine those two mm. amazing, like if you're educated and you guard your heart and know Christ, but, and I think that's what that pilgrim's progress was the wisdom, the worldly wisdom of like, go this way. This is the easiest path. Go Mm -hmm. this way. And it's funny because like that, those are the things that we need to guard our hearts from of like, okay, I'm not going to go this way. Like it does not teach us how to follow Christ. Like it does not teach us how to surrender. It doesn't teach us how to like, honestly, if you think about it, for, for example, today, Something I've been working on this new year is um, there's a study that got out came out that 12 minutes in prayer a day un um, uninterrupted prayer mm-hmm. a day changes your mind. It cha- it literally changes the way that your brain y- uses its neural pathways. So like, wow. and neural pathways are a whole different thing, but yeah. basically it like creates new neural pathways in your brain. And then um, it gives you more joy, happiness or whatever. So I've been timing myself, closing my eyes and doing 12 minutes of uninterrupted prayer, which is so opposite if you're like an entrepreneur and need to go and hustle and do these things. Mm -hmm. But no, like God uses those times. Like God is outside of time and space. So like he can figure it all out in the end. Um, But it's like so anti-worldly wisdom of like, don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Don't stop and be still and be silent and trust in the mighty God. You have 10 million things to do to forward even your ministry or to forward whatever it is. And God's like, yeah. um, hi, I'm in, I'm the ruler, the king of all. I, I just was sharing yeah. with a friend this morning. Um, my mother-in-law got me the lost sermons of Charles Spurgeon, a volume for Christmas. And I read, a, was reading a few of his Thanks. sermons yesterday and um, I, I wish I had my journal with me. I didn't bring it, but, um, I wrote down a few of the, his quotes from the sermon that were basically like, he basically is like, I'm not, not, I'm not discommending working and moving forward, but basically like we've all heard many times, but need it to be beaten to our heads a trillion more times. If you're not a praying man or woman calling upon the all powerful God that he's going to be the one to move. And even this morning when I was talking to that friend, I was telling her I'm about to go have a podcast with my friend Isaac. And I'm like, I just found myself this morning, like, and God's been maybe doing something, something similar, like calling upon God, God, if you don't move in this podcast episode, nothing will happen. I need you to move. You're, you're the power that's going to stir hearts, change hearts. And, and I want to rely fully on you to do that. Not how good of questions I can come up with or not how quote unquote awesome of guests I can come up with. Even in my podcast, God's been so kind that I like asking him, having him go before me, asking him, God, bring people to mind. And guess what? He does. He brought you to mind, like quite specifically. (laughs) And like, and he's brought so many people to mind. I write it down and, and God help me, help me with, with uh, questions, with thoughtful questions. He's the one that moves forward. When we like actually just trust him with every single little thing in prayer and asking him to go before us, Gosh, it takes one, the pressure off of 
pressure off of everything. And it's really stinking fun. I don't know if you found that like, wow, God, you totally just brought Isaac to mind. Thanks, God. Like you're speaking to your child, you know? <laughs> yeah, I've had fun. Um, <laughs> question for you. Yeah. What was what's like one of the moments that like a moment of suffering and pain, like your hardest moment of your life? Oh, I and and now looking back, I guess now yeah. looking back, what would you speak? What would you speak to that moment? Yeah, um, I would say the hardest oh, two come to mind. The first, the the first one that comes to mind is after during pregnancy and after I had Zan, and I actually just recorded a podcast um, a couple months ago on God redeeming motherhood. The first year of motherhood was some of the deepest suffering and, but God was so kind and I saw God um, help me cling to his word and himself. And then I I suffered postpartum depression. So just was in just a deep depression. And um, then on the other side, when God brought me out of that depression through him, allowing me to cling to his word, I mean, I trusted that even I felt far away from Zan during that. After I came out of the depression, I was like, oh, I'm clearly not as close to Zan as Alex is. And Alex is dad of the century. So all my kids are going to be obsessed with him. I'm obsessed with him. I joke that the thing that all three of us have in common is that we're all obsessed with Alex Schultz because he's really that great. All four of us. All four. <laughs> um, but I even after that, I was I, I remember saying, God, not even feel, I didn't feel guilt and shame by God's grace. I was like, God, I know that you can restore my relationship with Zan and I trust you and just pleading for that. And, and so I don't, looking back on that one, and I think everyone attests to this, getting to walk with women through that now, like I felt like I had a very different experience than what social media shows or what everyone was saying. And so getting to be, be there for friends and be like, Hey, if you're really struggling, if you're not praise God, I will rejoice in that. Yeah. If you are new mother, Hey, I'm here for you. God's in this with you. This isn't the end of the story and he can redeem all things. And, and it, it does get better. Keep clinging to his truths. And then I think of another, actually at the beginning of this year, the or of last year, um, uh, the first six months of 2022, I just had, I was in deep conflict with a close friend and, um, God needed and still needs to always do some deep humbling in my heart. I could be, I'm teary thinking about it. Cause I, you even encouraging me before this with what you said, God had to show me that I thought higher of myself than I ought before he could use me. Like I, I, the, the sweet thing was walked through, I mean, it was like six, seven months long, like, okay, God, I'm clinging to you. Show me where I'm off. Okay. Here's what your scriptures are saying. Outdo them in honor. Okay. Humble yourself. Don't defend yourself. Uh, just, oh, you think, I think I have myself and I ought just him encouraging me, refreshing me, convicting me through the scriptures and bringing me freedom ultimately of self. Like, okay, yeah. I, I'm not that, I'm actually not that great, but I think I, I thought I was. And thank you, God, for showing mm-hmm. me. I don't have much of anything to offer people but you. So even yeah. in my pot, I was just telling Isaac before this, uh, it feels like this year in my podcast, God's like encouraging me to go. 
And I, I, his timing is obviously perfect and providential that I don't think he was ready for me to go last year. Not that I have my act cleaned up and that I'm super humble all the time. I need the spirit to convict and humble me every single yeah. day. But I think he mm-hmm. did have to bring me to a specific place of, Hey, this actually, even this podcast, Maddie has nothing to do with you. Um, it'll move forth if I move it forth. And and I want to use you as a vessel, but I'm going to need you on your hands and knees flat on the ground, not thinking much of yourself. And when you do, yeah. I'm going to show you and you're going to God willing by his grace, repent and go back to the secret place mm-hmm. and say, God help, help, you know? Yeah. So those are, yeah. those are the two that come to mind. Thanks for, thanks for asking me that. Yeah. I would ask you that back, but I feel like we're going to talk about that later. So I'm not going to ask you about your season of suffering. Okay. What does following Jesus in the day to day look like for you? Gosh. Um, I feel like this new season, I feel like 20, 2021 actually crazy, but January one of 2021 or wait, 2022, (laughs) it's not 23. (laughs) January one of 2022. I had this thing in my heart where I was like, this is going to be a rough year. Hmm. and I just had this thing where I was like, and I never have had that in my life. I'm always like the let's, yeah. let's party through the year. <laughs> yes. um, and it was so, so, so hard. Hmm. Um, there were so many things that were just like, it was just like one after another. Um, but 2023, I, and it kind of works with all that we're saying, but like, I've just been thinking about like, how do you stay in a posture of suffering? Yeah, like that's one saying that's like an oxymoron. Like, how do you stay in a posture of like on your knees in desperation for like God to actually never let the world feel so wonderful Mm -hmm. that it captures you and takes you away? And like, how do you just stay on your knees? You're like, God, I need you. And I think following Jesus every day for me is about prayer and and i've just been switching my gears of like i'm gonna pray mm-hmm. and if god can move if if god can move through prayer like he says he does like what does it look like to be in prayer what does it look like to and it's something i've been working on today i was at passion conference i got to help with it a little bit i don't cool. know if anyone's heard yeah. of passion conference but um there uh, david platt spoke and he he his whole sermon was he recited by memory Romans one through eight, the entire like wow. Romans eight chapters he recited from memory, and it just hit me where it's like the word of God is so important to us, mm-hmm. and so as I fall asleep, I actually have just been going through scriptures and cool. like the scriptures that I memorized from the past and yeah. the scriptures that I want to memorize. I've just been going through those and I trying to go that. to sleep with scripture. And like, what does it look like to infect your life with prayer and with Jesus and having a quiet time that's honestly like, and I I know some people just need to like start with a quiet time. So like start, if you need to just read one chapter a day, do it. But what does it look like to expand? What does it look like? Like, I want my prayer time to not just be 12 minutes, but how can I extend that to 15 and 20? Like, how can I actually like want like want to spend time with Jesus more Mm -hmm. and it's a constant battle of like you know you don't want to sometimes and all that stuff but like Mm -hmm. I think so for me 
looking for moments to bring prayer into and again it's yeah. sometimes it's easier i'm in i'm the um I'm in ministry, so I get yeah. to pr- I can pray whenever I want. You know, <laughs> I can be like time to pray. Um, but I think it means. But I think there's so many things that you can do to bring prayer. Like, man, if you're going to your cubicle at a, you know, at, for lack of a better word, secular work environment, like, what does it look like to sit there and pray right when you start and right yeah. when you finish? Do you actually pray for people by name? And I'm saying this convicted too. So I'm mm-hmm. I've been in the same place where I'm like, dang, do I like literally say, Jesus, would you use Maddie Schultz to impact people in the, in Nebraska? Like, what does that look like? Do I, do I actually speak that yeah. over people's names or do you just more like, God, just help me for today. Like yeah. God, I, I think God wants you to be specific in a lot of ways. So that's, so that's, yeah. those are a couple of things yeah. I'm working through all right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's really helpful. I love that encouragement to basically I think it's in first or second Thessalonians where he tells us the will, God's will for our life is to give thanks and pray without ceasing or something along those lines. And it's like, yeah, what does that look like that our minds in every moment would be drawn to, oh, let me ask the God of the universe or let me intercede for Isaac when I'm scrolling by and see a post of his, like, what would it look like for us to be in? unending conversation with the living God. That's really encouraging. Okay. Yeah. So tell us about this ministry you're a part of God behind bars. Um, Tell us how you've seen God changing lives. How'd you become involved? Tell us everything. We want to hear it all. Oh, um, (laughs) gosh, it was a, I've never wanted to do prison ministry in my life. Never been a dream of mine. Never thought about it, honestly. Um, And so I was in Vegas. The ministry is from Vegas and um i was asked just to help with their marketing so i just jumped in and started doing social media stuff and all this, these different things and then i was um hanging with the ceo and he said um we got asked by the largest technology provider in the united states for inmates um to create an app for prisoners so wow. it's very not known but prisoners uh, it's becoming kind of this new thing where they have very secure tablets so it's like an ipad but it's it's like a brick um and there's a million there's about 1.5 million tablets inside of prisons across the nation um and nobody's ever created an app for it i didn't know anything about an app i'm not an app builder but i know a lot of people who do that stuff so they said hey like let's look at this this was in 2019 when we had this this kind of came up and i said we absolutely need to do this so I start on the journey of finding people to build this app again, never been done. Like building an app's not hard building app for prison. I did not honestly, if God told me how hard it would be, I probably would have said no at that Mm -hmm. time. And we, so I started doing that and I started doing that and it took about two years to figure out basically the app has to work without Wi-Fi, and um, it has to work in these settings. It has to like, yeah, it has to, oh my gosh, there's, I, I'm not even going to go into technical stuff. Um, we can, anyway. Yeah. Um, so that's how I started. And I had my own company at that time and was just kind of working with them on the side, on the, through my company. And then um, Pando, which is the name of the app. Wow. And the reason why we made it Pando, it's actually a cool name, um, is 
we were driving to actually a prison event inside of, uh, in Colorado. It was a maximum security prison. And we were with a pastor and we were talking about what do we call this app? And the, the pastor said, look, do you see all those Aspen trees? I don't know if you guys know what Aspen trees look like, but, um, they're really cool trees and they turn gold and all this stuff. And there was thousands of Aspen trees. And he says, do you know how many Aspen trees are out there? And I said, a thousand. Um, and then my C our CEO said like 2000 or whatever. And then he said, no, there's one. And a pando is the largest living organism in the world. It connects. So all Aspen trees are connected by one root system. Um, so all the Aspen trees popping out actually are like from other, from one root system and they just find their way up there. So that's what we thought, you know, that that's what we believe the church is. It's like, it's one living organism all connected by one root system. Um, all across the world, whether in prison or outside of prison, we're oh. connected to the Pando, which is Jesus. Um, and so that's when we, that's, we called it that. And we launched in 2021 and um, we are reaching now with that app, 540,000 prisoners a day wow. and it streams sermons, worship, devotionals. We have the chosen on there cool. um, and we have Christian movies and stuff. And it's completely free for every single inmate, which is most of the stuff inside of prison is not free. They have to pay for it. Um, And then, so that launched. And then um, I went to, uh, I got involved with, I just, since I was doing their marketing, I felt like I needed to, I was really passionate about doing events inside of prisons and doing um, kind of these awesome events and bringing fun people that I, um, sometimes I just want to meet them too. So I just like yeah. <laughs> bring them into prison. Yeah. Um, so I invited, I invite people to prison. My very first event that I ever did inside of prison was actually with Ben Higgins from the bachelor, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, awesome. and so did him and then we, we've done events. Um, we just did one with Sadie Robertson. Whoa. Um, we're working on doing one with Russell Wilson. Uh, soon. And so it's been super cool. We have um, 60 campuses across the nation where we, um, we actually do full blown churches in 60, now 61 campuses. We just launched another one. Like in, Um, in a prison, when you say campus, like you've launched a church in the prison. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. So we take local churches and we actually um, put like a satellite campus. So it's like their churches, satellite campuses in a prison. Um, and then our goal is to introduce inmates to Jesus and connect them to the local church. We want to change the community. So much of prison is community based. Like they keep going back into prison because they keep getting released to the same community. Mm. So what does it look like to take a prisoner and give them a whole church community before they get out? So volunteers go into prisons, they do a full blown church. They invite them to their church. They invite their families to the church that are outside and they start connecting them to the local church. And then we have seen recidivism drop, which is recidivism is when inmates come back into prison and it's the recidivism rate is three years. And most of our people don't even go back to prison when we can connect them to the local church. Wow. What do your events typically look like and what have those I mean, I've seen some of your videos and different things, all the ways that God's been working. Can you kind of share about what specifically your events look like and then any specific stories that come to mind? And do you guys 
like, are you guys going all over the country or is it mostly in Atlanta? I mean, obviously prisons like are just around there, all over the country. What does that look like? I just go to, I go to all prisons anywhere, everywhere. Um, but yeah, so an event is, I try to use an event to support a ch- the church that we have there. So how do we bring, how do we do like a buzz event where we get a lot of people that some have never, ever wanted to have anything to do with Jesus and we get them there. Um, so we did uh, the Maverick City album, uh, Kingdom album. We did that inside of prisons with them and we, um, we got- Wait, you're saying you had Maverick pr- City come perform. Is that what you're saying? Or what do you mean? Uh, we did their out. Al- we we brought so their new album Kingdom. Yeah, we did in inside of prisons with them. Oh, cool! Like you, they recorded so it, that was or inside. they cool. They recorded it in the prison. Yeah. Wow. Um. So on that one, we did. So there's 1,600 inmates at the prison, and 1,300 inmates came to that event which wow. is the largest prison event. And it was the largest prison event in Florida history. Wow. Um, and the other 300 that weren't there were actually having to go to work camp. So they couldn't even attend. So wow. everyone who was at every place was gone. And the um, warden came up to me and said, I've only seen this when there's a prison riot. He's like, wow. I've never seen this before. And that church has grown from... 100 about 110 people and now it's they they're thinking about starting a second service so it's about 300 wow, um, like the they 300 inmates like the church the satellite inmates campus, attend that church attend the satellite campus in the prison yes okay. so from that event has just wow. massively grown um we just did one with sadie robertson um it was my first women's prison that i've ever done an event in and that reached 400 women came. Um, actually, it might have been 600, actually. I think it was about 600 and wow. um, 87 gave their life to Jesus. Wow. And then, four, and then oh 31, 41 got baptized oh my uh, right after. It was so fun. Um, and one of the stories in that event that I actually, I usually in an event, I'm like, I got to make sure everyone's safe. So I don't really have emotional energy. Yeah. To like sometimes, sometimes sure. I have emotional energy to be in the moment, but like yeah. there was a moment where a lady came, she had just accepted Jesus that day, come up to get baptized. And she had on her eye, it said rotten on her top of her eye. And she was just bawling as she got into the, to get baptized. Mm. And those are just the moments where you're just like, the gospel hits you in a new way where it's like, yeah. Oh, this is what it's for. Like she's yeah. going under her past is gone yeah, and she's white as snow. Yeah. So that word doesn't mean anything to her wow. anymore. Like that's not who she was. That was who, who she was like 20 minutes ago. Wow. And that's not who she is now. And I just <gasps> was like, dang God, like I cannot believe that you can do this. <laughs> it's yeah. just wild. Um, and then another one, so there's an event that we do. It's called All is Bright, where we actually reunite inmates with their families. Wow. Um, so we believe, like, even in your when you're in prison, like, your father and your mother matter. Yeah. Like, it still means so much to these kids. And most of them have to come to the prison. They sit across a table, and they just talk, and then they leave. There's no fun. There's no interaction. So 
and some of them don't even come. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've introduced inmates to their families the first or to their kids for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was one time we were in um, a prison in Florida again, and this was, this was for Christmas. So for Christmas, we reunite them and we actually let the inmates shop for their children. So we bring in like hundreds of toys. Wow. So they feel like they're yeah. getting to pick out gifts for them. And some of them have never given gifts to their yeah. kids in their life. Wow. And this is a maximum security prison. So most of them are in prison for 20 years to life. Wow. So most of them have not had a Christmas. I think the, the one that had the earliest Christmas that I heard from an inmate was seven years. So they hadn't had Christmas in seven years. And so they got to pick out, they get like six gifts for each kid. And so we reunite them together. We have this moment where they kind of run together and there was so much tension in this room. And I think it was because it was a maximum security prison. Like they didn't know their dad. They don't really know. Like there's just this tension and I just felt it the whole time. And I was just like, God, would you just do something to like, I want these pe- I want these families to connect. And so the inmates left to get the presents. So the families have no clue they're giving them presents. And so we brought them in and the inmates grabbed the presents and they have bags for their kids and they came out and you could just hear a gasp in the room of these kids being like and so there wow. was just this moment where this family like gave a gave a gift to his child and I just remember, I could cry now thinking about it, but the child was like, how did you know this is what I wanted? Whoa. And he just, and the kid, the kid cried. And then I look over to the right and we have for 12 year olds, we get them like $50 or like $75 gift cards. And so they gave him the gift card. He's like, how much is this? And the dad was like $75. And he's like, oh my gosh, this is it. Like he started. So all these kids are crying wow. and I was just like. I legitimately lost it because I was just because you could feel the tension yeah. break and you could just feel like yeah. there was just so much like the families were coming back together in that moment. Wow. Um, and I've had and then the inmates came up to me and said, "I've never this moment has never happened in this prison ever. Like we've never had something like this." And wow. it was just so beautiful. And I think what I love about prison ministry is the inmates can't do anything for you. They can't follow you on social media. Mm. They can't um, give you money. They mm. can't like be your voice. It's legitimately completely all serving. But it's funny when you go into prison, they're actually the ones who who pour out to you the most. Mm. It's it's crazy the faith that they have. It's crazy like how much they go after Jesus. And um, wow. I don't know. And then it's just so cool to think about like it's really testing to think about like God's grace, you and me, like you haven't done anything that bad, Maddie. Like I haven't done anything that bad, but then you go into a prison and you think about some of the things like, honestly, to be pretty graphic, like mm-hmm. people have raped people in there. People have mm-hmm. killed people. And like, do you really believe that God's grace extends to them? Mm-hmm. Like that is actually a theologically challenge. Like when you're staring at them, that's a theologically challenging thing when you're looking at the news and I I struggle with this too I'm looking at the news and I'm like I'm gonna have to serve that person Mm. someday and that is rough to think about sometimes but I have to like I have to think about it and I'm like no God's grace extends to that person and he they're not hopeless Mm. they they have hope still and 
that is so I, I think I love it because it's like and again when they, they when you see an inmate truly accept Jesus, they understand the grace that they're getting so much clearer than you and I sometimes. Mm. And they like they 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 like embrace it and they don't take it for granted. Yeah. So they like they show up and they sh- and they're sharing the gospel. One guy got in a knife fight. Um, okay, here's a good story. Can I share yes, another story? Please. <laughs> um, so we so in a prison, um, we have two guys who are like our main leaders, and they're inmates. They're li- both life sentence inmates. And wait, because do you go? Guy, sorry, do you go back to? prisons you've already done events at and go see them again like when you say they're your leaders like have you got have you seen them multiple times so they're like we have a church campus yeah. there. so i go i actually have like i wouldn't say i we ha- i have buds all yeah, over yeah, yeah. prison um that i go see all the time um buds by buds you mean inmates that like you've gotten close to okay, <laughs> yeah sorry cool. no, inmates. yeah yes. well i just i want to make sure um, i knew who you're talking about so i go into this prison um and there's a guy named Tony who's amazing. And he says, hey, you need to talk to Jim. And they're one of our best leaders at our church campus there in prison. It's called Hardy Correctional Institute. And um, Jim tells me the story where two men, two inmates got in a fight. One cut another one. Um, and they both got thrown into solitary confinement where they can't see the light of day. Um, mm-hmm. And they're just stuck in a brick wall, basically. And... Um, the gym goes and shares the gospel with one of the guys and he accepts Jesus and he writes his family and tells them that I accepted Christ. The family comes to know Jesus while he's just writing them and he's in solitary for like three weeks. Wow. So then the family goes and starts writing the guy who got cut cuts family. So they somehow figured out they write them and connected them. They accept Jesus. What? Then they share the gospel with the guy who got cut. He accepts Jesus. And now they're like all involved in church together. Yeah. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It's crazy. And that's just like, honestly, that's like the norm of just things I hear sometimes where I'm like, dang, you got to have some faith because this is crazy. Wow. (laughs) Praise the Lord. How often do these events happen? Like how often are you traveling specifically to do these? My goal is usually like once a month and then sometimes they turn to like during the Christmas season and kind of the end of the year, I do like two to three a month. We did uh, three in December um, and then I did um, one in November and one in October. Yeah. So I try to do one a month. Yeah. I love the model that like you guys are getting them plugged in with the local church creating a local satellite it's not just a one-time event and good luck with everything it's like mm-hmm. no like such an impactful event and then hey we have community to you for you to follow jesus with and people outside for yeah. when you get out of prison that's that's super cool to hear about what yeah if people are listening and feeling a burden for those in prison, are there ways that people could get involved specifically with God behind bars or any advice you'd have with them? Uh, I don't know if you know any other places that are doing that too, but what's a, what's a way that people could get involved? Yeah, no, I think there's multiple ways. So it depends on where our locations are. Yeah. So if we have a location 
in a certain state, like you can volunteer with the church that goes in. So you can actually go in, even if you don't attend the church. And so, yes. So do that. You can go to godbehindbars.com and sign up to volunteer. Um, And then if your church wants to get involved, they can jump in um, with it all. Like there are some qualifications as far as like what that looks like. And right now I'm working on with our team, we're actually working on a small group model. Um, we usually did like a full blown church model where it's like, we actually have to install equipment and it's actually a very lengthy process. Um, but we have thousands of church churches reach out where it's like, how do you just, I just want to like go in and help and we can do the same model in like a small group model. So I'm about to, uh, launch that in the next couple months where we can launch on honestly in thousands of prisons this year. So that's the model I'm working on is how do we get churches, you know, day one involved yeah. really quick. And then obviously, like if people want to give to God Behind Bars, yeah. you're welcome to do that as well. But those are kind of the three ways. So I'm, I think, um, so if you, we're, I'm working on Nebraska too right Let's now. Because I would love to just go yes. back and get to do it. Um, so yeah, those are the three ways. Okay, that's awesome. Anything else you want to share with us about God Behind Bars? I feel like we covered a lot, but anything else that comes to mind before we move on? I think just honestly to not um, forget the prisoner, like remember those in prison, because I think it really does give you a lot of perspective. Yeah. Um, and even too, like I've been making it a practice pray for the, like the news is everyone watches some sort of news. They get some sort of news. And what does it look like to pray for the people yeah. that are going into prisons and that are, honestly have done really horrible things. Like what does it look like to actually pray for them? I think it's easy in our society to condemn them and say, Oh, that person deserves what they're getting. And you could say, you could say in the standard of everything. And I'm, I believe in like justice. And if you're guilty, go to prison like that. I, I do believe in that, but I also believe like that God's grace still has, they have, they still have purpose. Mm -hmm. They still have a purpose in life. Like God can use somebody inside of prisons. I've seen revivals happen inside of prisons. Like I, I mean, I mean, seriously, the amount of people that are coming to a prison event and, and truly engaging and taking action and growth inside of prisons, churches are crazy. It's, it's so cool. So I would just, just think, I guess like even just think about it, like just think about prisons, think about these men and women. Um, and yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of reminded even back to two things we talked about already. One, how we were like, when did God meet us and change us when we were suffering? These inmates are at a dark place of suffering as they're in this prison. And so of course God wants to meet them there. And then secondly, Mm -hmm. um, even just thinking about even how we were kind of talking earlier in a few different conversations, like me thinking higher myself than I ought, or you in college, uh, battling self-righteousness, all of us battling self-righteousness. But at the end of the day, we are, we were wretched before God saved us. We are sinners and by God's grace, he forgives us every single day and washes us clean. The past is gone. And so the same seeing them as sons and daughters of the King and seeing 
us at level ground at the foot of the cross along with them harder said than done like you're saying like hard to like battle that of like how you said earlier in quotes like you were like we haven't done anything in quotes as bad but we're we're the same we're at level ground with them and so truly believing and understanding the gospel that we weren't deserving but god moved towards us and they are the same and so what a humbling place to be and think about then hopefully leading us to love and compassion for inmates yeah well even too like I mean, living in Atlanta, Atlanta has some of the worst, actually Nebraska has some pretty bad neighborhoods too, like really bad. And I mean, example, I was at, I was in the second worst street in Atlanta, hanging with some kids there. And I was who the guy who was leading it. He's like, Hey, um, there's 30 kids there. He's like, how many of these kids do you think dad is in prison? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I I mean, I I almost actually guessed it right because I know the statistics, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) that's not the guessing of the thing. But there was there was about twenty six kids out of the thirty whose dads are in prison. And then he told me he said, "Um, "Where where's their mom?" And their mom is honestly, they're like a lot of their moms are on drugs and um, out with a baby daddy is kind of what they, they say. Um, and the kids are just on the streets legitimately. Mm -hmm. Like they're given usually like five bucks, go to the store, go to the gas station if you need food today. Mm -hmm. So they kind of go to school. Nobody would know if they did go to school and they're literally just sitting on the worst neighborhood, just sitting there and they're just like walking around with their friends and like, and I don't know, like, and I think that perspective of like, just sometimes where people are coming from, like there is deep poverty, there is a lack of father a lack, uh, in in our culture, and um, mm-hmm. sometimes it hurt. It like pains me to know that I'm reaching them in prison mm-hmm. when I wish I reached them before. Mm-hmm. And I think I think understanding what's the background. And again, I'm not saying this is for everyone. I know a lot of people in prison who honestly were super privileged and they made a really bad mistake and now they're in prison. Uh, But I think a lot, sometimes it's a, I would say the majority are actually from really broken families. Honestly, were abused as children. Um, I've, I mean, the amount of stories I hear of abuse is pretty staggering. Like Mm. it is not a joke how many times I hear their father just beat the living daylights out of them. Um, yeah. Their mother um, sexually abused them at two years old. Like that that's truly what I hear pretty frequently. And it really gives perspective of like, dang, sometimes you're like, dang, did this person even stand a chance? You know, where it's like, they didn't even stand a chance. Um, and they were, like I, I talked with one lady who sexually abused as a child by so many people in her family and um, started drug running at 12 years old, um, started driving at 12 years old, these drugs everywhere. And thought she then got adopted by other people who sexually abused oh. her. So you're just like, you're just like sitting there and you're like, gosh, like how did, how did you even get to where you are now? Like, and she was just getting out of prison. She was about to get out and you're like, dang, how did you stand a chance? And, but by the grace of God, 
truly like she found Christ, she found community and she found help and she's got a long journey too. She found a job, wow. but like, that's just, yeah. that is, there's just so many more things than just yeah. one thing of like, dang, they did something yes. bad and they deserve prison and hopefully we can help them in there. But it's like, man, there's such a, there's so much pain involved yeah. and there's so much grace that needs to like pour on mm. people. If we, I feel like if we had more grace for people, even people who deserve what they get, mm. like it, it might revolutionize like the prison system, but also our culture. Mm. But, and obviously we need Jesus, but yeah. <laughs> that's a given. Yeah. But I mean, really what you're saying, I mean, we'll, we'll only be able to give people grace if we're abiding in and resting in Jesus. Like I'm only gracious yeah. when the spirit, when I'm abiding in him, you know, we're only led to love mm-hmm. other people because of, because of him and his love in us. So yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for sharing all of that. I'm wildly encouraged by all that you guys are doing and we'll be praying for you guys and excited to keep following along in that. So, okay, we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. If you're willing, kind of jumping back to some of the stuff we talked about before, would you tell us about a season of suffering and how you saw the Lord show up in it? So after, so I lived in Vegas for two years as a marketing director and, um, I personally have a big people pleasing problem or, and always working through that. But um, I experienced like deep burnout from that season Mm -hmm. of just, um, I was overseeing like 30 people and trying to do, trying to please everybody. And um, I was dating my girlfriend who's now my girlfriend then, but we actually broke up after the season Um, and trying to, so I was just trying to hold everything all together and I like my, literally my brain snapped. Um, and I don't know how else to say it, but I legitimately like, I actually needed a drink of alcohol to like get my brain to a place of like, okayness, um, which is wildly unhealthy. Um, don't recommend it. (laughs) I, and I, I legitimately couldn't smile. Mm. My brain was working. So like I had such high, um, I think it was adrenaline, Mm that I couldn't answer. I actually legitimately could barely talk. Wow. It's crazy. Like I legitimately could barely speak because when somebody asked me a question, I would have about 30 answers lined up in in like milliseconds. And I couldn't know which one I was supposed to say. Mm -hmm. I was just like stuck. So I resigned from that position and I broke up with my girlfriend, like kind of everything that I had hoped for kind of just like kind of I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what my purpose was. I was just like lost. And I legitimately remember thinking, I'm never going to smile again. Like, I don't think I can smile again. I don't think I'm going to ever like be funny again. Like I I always loved being Mm -hmm. funny. And I was like, I'm not funny anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not like, there's nothing good in my life. And I, and I think everything that I even didn't deal with in college, Mm -hmm. actually, I didn't feel like I dealt with that self-righteousness that people pleasing that was all kind of intertwined and I never dealt with it I just kept moving forward and kept rolling and finally like it all came right there and I remember going to counseling this is kind of where things started to shift and the counselor said when did you say yes to everything that you've been saying yes to because I think it's Mm. so easy especially like sometimes with church hurt, when people say it's easy to blame the church, but 
you said yes to stuff usually mm. like you you agreed to things yeah and when you can deal with your stuff first it actually helps you forgive in my mm. opinion other yeah. things and I, so then that really helped me. Like, when did I agree to these things and why did I agree to them was really a huge catalyst for me. And then I read Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Mm -hmm. which is my favorite book by Peter Peter Scazzaro. Um, And I started doing something that he called the daily office. So every day at 7am, noon and 6pm, I would spend time with Jesus and I would spend time meditating on Christ. Mm And I kind of learned the art of meditation and that like started to truly rewire my brain. Praise God. Um, and that's, that's where those neural pathways yeah. and that's a whole, I don't that's even another, know if anyone that's knows That's the next podcast. Is, I'll have you back. We'll just only talk about <laughs> <Yeah>. neural pathways. <laughs> I love them. Um, no, but that, my brain really started to like change. And it's so funny looking back what God does because it doesn't look like you're healing until you look Mm. back. Um, And I thought that was so cool where it's like being obedient every single day when you don't think something's changing Mm. with Jesus. Like with Jesus, I was listening to something today. Actually, I think it was John Tyson. And he was saying that when has waiting ever continued? I think it was something like that, but it hit me where it's like, in our waiting of like, this will never happen. When has waiting, when have you waited forever? Like, have you ever waited forever? And I think, mm-hmm. because I think this is the thing with God. And I think some people can be like, well, I've waited for a child mm-hmm. or I've waited for this forever. But like, some, I th- I believe like when you follow Jesus, he gives you a new purpose. If it's not what you exactly wanted for yourself, mm-hmm. like, but he shows you what you should want, mm-hmm. I think. He shows you what, hey, here's a new desire that I want for you. Like, here's a new surrender that I want you to give. And anyway, it's funny because I look back and I just saw healing throughout. And I look back and I see God throughout that whole season of life. And like, even getting to just work through stuff I've never had to work through. I felt like I was just this web of, I was just this ball of mess Mm -hmm. that was trying to get unwinded. And I was like, this will never happen. And the other thing that was really changing in that season, which I like, I, I just speak to people because it was mind blowing to me was, um, I was listening to Brene Brown. I don't know if you know Brene Brown, great lady, but she said that she was talking about your mind and how, when you tell yourself a lie, let's say like, for example, like I'm ugly. I don't just say I'm ugly and I walk away. I legitimately in your mind, think of everyone who's listening, think about it. In your mind, you literally picture, you literally tell yourself a story of why you're ugly. You don't just say you're ugly. You literally put yourself in scenarios. You look at yourself, you put yourself in a mirror and you picture yourself ugly and you tell yourself a story. And if you're really bad, you'll continue that story and it'll go deeper. Mm -hmm. And it'll be like, all my friends think I'm ugly oh my gosh, there's no way that this guy's ever going to think I'm pretty. And you just keep going Mm -hmm. down and down and down. And she said, tell yourself a different story. So when you, you gotta, you've, and this is, this is scripture too. It's like, take every thought captive. When you take that thought captive, you literally say to yourself, no, that's not me. Cause I always told myself, I'm never going to get better. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to have joy. 
I'm never going to have all these things. And I would just tell myself this crazy story. I would be really depressed. But when I started doing that, I, I sometimes had to do this like 300 times a day. And no, I'm not even yeah. kidding. I would literally say like, no, yeah. this is my story. Mm. And I told myself this story. I said, no, I'm going to like, I'm going to, I'm going to be better. I'm going to get better. My brain's going to be good again. I'm going to like, sometimes it's not even good language. It's like, I'm going to be good again. <laughs> um, like I'm going to truly, I'm going to like, and then sometimes it goes into scripture. Like yeah. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Yeah. I am these things like I'm going to be, and it, I retold that story. And then when I go back yeah. to this downfall I retell the story in the way that I want to tell it and the way that I believe I tell it. And that changed my life Mm. doing that. I love that so much. (laughs) And Brene Brown is just brilliant. I have a friend that loves her. And so is always just sharing me the little pieces of gold that she does. And one of them was the thing that you just said. And she'd asked me, What's the story you're telling yourself? Like the thing, literally the thing you just said, which is helpful in every single area of life, whether I'm all of a sudden anxious about what I said to a friend or I'm worried about this or anything that arises. Okay, what story am I telling myself? I'm telling myself the story that my friend doesn't really love me and they probably are thinking this, this, this. Okay, that's silly. That's actually not even true. And that's an assumption, you know, like it's helpful in every single area. Yeah. But it's so impactful, your mind and what you're speaking to yourself. I love that. Yeah. And I think just the story part is helpful because it's like, I I never knew that about myself. Mm. I never knew that's what I was doing. Like, I I never thought, oh, wow, I'm telling a whole, this whole story with details, with color. Like, I'm adding, I'm adding other characters. Like, that's so crazy that I my mind is doing that because I'm letting it yeah. do it and I'm giving it control to do that and what if you use that in a positive way your mind could completely change and it's funny that you said it too like when you're worried about people and because I've been thinking about this too this is so off topic I love it but I've just always remembered when I worry about what other people think I have to remember, like, there's so many times people actually don't think about us as much as we think they do. (laughs) Is that funny? I just feel like someone needs to hear that. Yes. No (laughs) one's thinking about you. No one's thinking about me. No one's thinking about Isaac. Praise God. Like, and ultimately, like, ultimately the thing that, like you said, bringing it back to the scripture about taking your thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ. It's really about us reflecting and meditating on the gospel continually, like every single moment when I'm even nervous, all of a sudden anxious about a friend or if I said something to them, Oh my gosh. Okay. I actually am free in Christ and I can go have a conversation. That might not mean that maybe I still need to go have a conversation with them, but I don't need to create this new narrative. Like you were saying this brand new story, I'm free in the Lord and my approval is sealed in him. So it's okay, actually, even if the end of this story with me talking to a friend ends not how I'd wanted it to. God is working all things out for good. Like we said earlier, like when we're repeating yeah. the gospel to ourselves and living under that freedom, reminding ourselves of scripture, meditating on it, that changes everything. Yeah, totally. And it's like, God, just give us grace. Yeah. Help them to have grace for me. Yes. Like I'm such a mess. I'm such a mess. 100%. Okay. <laughs> 
Someone out there today is listening, God willing, and maybe for the first time thinking, I want to respond to the gospel. I want to know and follow Jesus. I want to repent and trust that my sins are forgiven because of the blood of Christ. What is a tangible next step for them? And what advice do you have for them? Yeah, I think one, I would uh, read Romans is my Mm. first place that I would start. Um, and then maybe start like in John, go after Romans, go, go to John. But I mean, it says that for by grace, you have been saved through faith, not of yourself, but as a free gift of God. And I love it too. I just want to emphasize one thing in that scripture is like, have you, you, your gift is so unique to you. Mm. When have we ever had a gift that's the same? It might be the same. You might've gotten the same bike as your brother or sister, but it's actually a different bike made from different mm. metals. It's all different. Like God has a gift for you. He has a, a like he has a, a wonderful life ahead for you and it's just unique to you. Mm. And that's the and the grace is unique to you. Like what you've walked through mm. is unique to you. So I just think invite the Lord into your life and it's not a special mm. prayer. It's not a special there's no rituals. It's nothing. It's just like asking the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to make you new and and that you believe that he died on the cross for you and that's as sim- i feel like that's as simple as yeah. it gets um but then go to romans and learn what the gospel looks like and then go to le- then learn about jesus in his life um i think those are the super important too and then i would say for somebody who is questioning god I think, because even believers, I think there's yeah. moments where we're like, God, are you actually yeah. real? I would challenge you to ask God to show you that he's mm. real. Like challenge him back. God's not, a, God, like our little challenges are not that hard yeah. for him. Yeah. <laughs> like truly every day be like, God, I need you to show me that you're real and do that for 30 days. And then specifically pray for 30 yeah. days like just it's crazy too there's a stat where it's like if a if someone in a marriage like if there's a marriage that's struggling if they start praying together for 30 days it like radically wow. changes their marriage cool. so it's like yeah so try that for 30 days and see what happens see what god does challenge god let him let him show up for i you. love that okay trap up our time together we have some rapid fire questions keyword rapid keyword fire are you ready <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yay. Okay. Favorite book all time. <laughs> Caleb. Uh, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality or Good to Great is also By who? my favorite book. That's a business book. Gosh, I don't That's okay. I'll name, find it. It's a really good book. Okay. Favorite song right now. <laughs> Honestly, uh, I Will Follow by Cody Carnes. Mm, favorite song all time. Honestly, God, You're So Good mm. or Gyra mm. right now, I would say. Favorite food. Anything Asian food. I love every Asian food out there. Favorite Bible <laughs> teacher to listen to? Um, ben Stewart. Cool. Where is he from? He is. He wrote uh, dating, uh, single, dating, engaged, married, which is one of the best like books oh, cool. out there. Uh, but he's the pastor at um, Passion City, DC. He's okay. freaking amazing. Cool. Like mind blowing good. Cool. Favorite podcast. Sunny and 65 for you sure. You don't have to say that. 
What's the, what's the second favorite then? The actual, the second favorite? Gosh. Um, I really like um, John Mark Comer's. Um, yes. And he hasn't done one in a long time, but mm-hmm. I love John Mark Comer. Um, he has a this cultural moment is what it's called. Yeah. And it's so good to hear just like, just how culture and Christianity are all intertwined was so cool. Okay, something that many people know about you. Some things that a lot of people know about that, me. Something that not many people know about you. Uh, I was like, many people know. Um, <laughs> I love, I mean, I don't know. I feel like everyone knows this about me. But like, I think for me, probably all my creative ideas I get when I'm sitting by the river or outside. So that's that. something like I just love probably 60% of my day is outside, even in the winter. Like I'll just sit there and try to create things. I love, I honestly cool. love social media. I love algorithms. I love figuring that out. I've gotten to help with cool. a lot of different social media. So like, and where I get a lot of inspiration is just sitting there. And then I just think about culture. So actually yeah. that's why I love this cultural moment. I think about culture and how, how does the regular, like, the average person has need has seven seconds of um, attention span. So basically like when someone's wow. going through social media, they're only going to be interested for like seven seconds. And it takes seven times hmm. for um, somebody to take an action. So they have to see something seven times for them to be like, oh, I'll actually do something. Wow. So anyway, I just think about okay. all that and like think about how can I like tell a story as fast as I can on like job behind bars so that somebody can grasp it in seven seconds. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I don't know why I just love social. Honestly, I just love social media. That's way cool. And honestly, it's, it's cool and encouraging in a way and freeing that like God has made you to like love that and to use that for his glory. And and someone else, something else. But specifically, like with social media, I think, uh, I mean, I'm a large proponent of social media is not a neutral space. So you have to like be wise with it and have boundaries around it. Yeah. But like, it's cool that God's like made you good at that, passionate about it and using it for his glory. So that I don't know. That's just, yeah. that's really encouraging for me to hear well, and fun to hear. Yeah. It's such a blessing too. Cause I don't actually do my, like, if you look at my, yeah, stuff. you don't do your own. So it's media. actually, yeah. It's so fun because everything I, because again, I struggle yes. a lot with self-righteousness, but also wanting to be like a star. Yeah. Um, yeah wait, you're, I in like ba- you're in the background. Oh, totally. And now it's so fun because I get to run, I get to run like seven other people's and just like. Make them I a get star. To like I mean, not, but yeah. yeah. I get to, yeah. Like, well, I do get to try to make them like yes, a star. Yes, but for God's like, glory. Yeah. Yeah, but it doesn't have anything to do with me, and it's like yeah, so cool. freeing, and that's so fun. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Okay, how can our friends listening today be praying for you? Um, honestly, like my heart right now for everything is. I think it's so easy to lose perspective of like why you're doing stuff. Like even just bringing yeah. in cool names, like you can just get so captivated by that. But it's not about that. It's literally like, yeah. how do we serve and love and show the grace of God for these people? So I think like, yeah. and if you look at so many people in the Christian faith, there's so many people that are falling out because yeah. it's not substantial and it's not real. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like? I think for us, like pray for my heart, pray for like 
the heart of God behind bars too, to always be, what does it look like to just glorify Jesus at the end of the day and bring people to him and to protect us from sometimes ourselves. Like I think our, our ministry has grown so, so much and it's such a, like the, and we have to check ourselves. I check ourselves so much where it's like, let's go pray for sometimes I'll, I'll, in our team meetings, we'll pray for other prison ministries and, and, say the things we love about them because it's can yeah. be such a culture of competition. Like yeah. churches are so like, what is, yeah. um, what is, uh, this church doing in yeah. Nebraska? Oh, what can we do to, t- what For can we sure. take from them to make our, and it's like, yeah. who cares? And like, what does it look like to like praise the people who are yeah. doing the greatest thing. And the, the other thing that, sorry, I don't, I, I have a lot to say on this topic, even though it's not no, it's a topic going. I just created. Um, <laughs> but I think there's so many, like there's even subtle um, Christian phrases we can say of like totally. God's doing something so special here, which is yeah. like, that's not true. It is special yeah. because God has something special for that moment, but you can't yeah. say, I think so many people can think like, Oh, this is more special than there, which is absolutely yeah. incorrect. Yes. And so like 100%. taking that language out of mm-hmm. everything and being like, man, we're so grateful for what God's doing here, but we're so grateful for what yeah. uh, pr- prison fellowship is doing. Like prison Love fellowship's that. amazing. They're like the big prison ministry. Like let's let's thank God for what yeah. they're doing. Um, let's thank God for what city light is doing or Providence is doing or like all these churches, like let's just praise God for that. And because out of, out of that gratefulness, it just like keeps you from becoming hard too. It's like, yeah, the enemy would try to want us to think that it's us against them rather than us being entirely like the Pando. We are all entirely on the same team, but it's so, he can be so sneaky in our thoughts or in our selfishness. Um, have yeah. you ever read the book Accidental Pharisee? No. Is that, Re- that sounds good. Really good. Like really, it kind of touches on some of the, like how you're like, there's certain phrases or like, you're like, oh, they get it or oh, they don't get it. Like kind of like that too. And that book, I recommend it. Anyone listening, Accidental Pharisee. I need to read it yeah. once a year. It was wildly impactful, but refreshing and convicting yeah. all in one. But yes yeah. and amen to well, that's where That's where like church, that's where like church burnout comes is because you feel like if you're working for a church that sometimes says like, and again, sometimes it's not on purpose. Yeah. So I'm not saying that, totally. but like, but makes it like God is, it's like, this is, there's something so special happening here. Then it makes you feel like you're leaving. Like people one yep. question why you're leaving, because it's like, why are you leaving this special this. place? Yeah. And it's like, totally. yeah, this movement. So, and that's yep. something you, we all need to work through, honestly, yeah. <laughs> but just like not being, I think having that posture of just like, dang, God is working every yeah. single, he's working everywhere in a yes. unique way. Yep. And you can go find that somewhere else too. You can find another unique way that God's moving because one, yeah. God can't, there are inner city churches that have 35 people that are impacting yes. so many people in those inner cities. And we've got to be like, praise, praise God. God 
just and I and you know you might go to a, a church that has five thousand people that are not in the inner city, but God is using their unique DNA yeah. to impact those places, and yeah. we can celebrate that. I love that. I love that. Okay, where can our f- friends find you if anyone does want to find you, or do you not want to be found? Because that's cool too. <laughs> and maybe you're like, the uh, like Instagram handle I- for is it just at God Behind Bars? Yeah, follow I got behind bars. Uh, okay. I think it's awesome. I love getting to I love mm. getting to tell stories. That's yeah. my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Okay, anything else we didn't talk about? This is a dangerous question. Anything else we didn't talk about that you wanted to touch on? Um no. I feel like we hit a lot. We hit a lot. Of Do you that. have anything that you wish we hit? <laughs> no. I I am so encouraged by what God is doing in and through you and so cool honestly to see him change both of our lives since we last saw each other like it's so cool to hear about him honestly doing a humbling in both of us and i think that'll be our story god willing for the rest of our lives i hope in 10 years it's like god did 10 more years of humbling by god's grace he did that and we're like he is so good and we just want to exalt him so thanks for all of the wisdom you shared and uh, so excited to continue to follow along the ministry that god's called you to and yeah wildly encouraged by you always love chatting with you and so thanks for being here thank you isaac is such a joy he always has been i'm always so inspired by his drive and zeal for the lord just such a blast to catch up with an old friend and hear all about what god is doing in and through his life continually blown away by the power of the gospel getting to hear those stories about god bringing inmates from death to life through the gospel, I'm just reminded of two different verses. One is Romans 1.16, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And then 1 Corinthians 1.17 through 18, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Just so sweet to be reminded of the power of the gospel and how God is saving people. Oh, so that even that that verse in First Corinthians just reminding me, we don't need eloquent words. We don't need to seem smart or seem like we have it all figured out. But simply the story of the gospel is where the power lies that we're in need. We were in desperate need of a savior and God sent that savior in his son, Jesus. Friends, I pray that you were encouraged by this episode. If you were encouraged at all in any way, would you be willing to leave a rating or review wherever you listen to your podcast? Would you be willing to share this episode to your social media spaces or share it with friends and family? I would so appreciate it. It is no light thing to me when you share or leave a review or rating. It is wildly encouraging to me. And I'm praying that if this was encouraging to you, that you'd pass it along to someone else so that God could hopefully use it to encourage them and spur them on in their walk with him too. Friends, as always, I would love to connect with you. Feel free to reach out to me at maddie at sunnyand65.com. That's M-A-D-I at sunnyand65.com. You can also subscribe to my emails, my newsletters. I send them out periodically. Every couple weeks, you can subscribe to those. There is a link in my show notes. Friends, go be bold and love big, and we will see you next time. Mm